I'm excited to be here this morning as we come to one of the last two weeks of our summer teaching series on the book of Judges. If you want to turn in your Bibles or power on your Bible, turn to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. And I want to give you a quick recap if you're new here this morning. Throughout the the book of Judges, we've been looking at uh, Judges chapter 2, how one generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done. And the wake of impact of that one generation without God leads to all kinds of devastation and destruction. But God doesn't give up. He keeps raising up these judges, these these leaders who each one of them, the Spirit of the Lord is anointing them to lead and to protect them from their enemies. But if you look at it, it gets progressively worse. And don't miss the last week of the series next weekend as we deal with the harshest uh, chapters of Scripture, I believe, in the entire uh, Old Testament. Uh, Don't miss it. As we wrap up this teaching series, I'll share more at the end about that. But what you look at here with the judge that we've been studying for now the last two weeks, which is Samson. Samson was somebody who, you know, at first there was like Ehud or Ehud. He was somebody who made some mistakes. But by the time we get to Samson as the judge and leader for God, like he's all messed up. And we looked at last week. He was uh, someone who had been anointed by God. An angel had told about his birth. He was uh, devoted to the Lord with a Nazarite vow, according to Deuteronomy 6, where he would actually not cut his hair or drink alcohol because his whole life was going to be serving the Lord. And because of that, the hair represented his strength. Although the strength came from the spirit of the Lord, it represented his vow to God. And yet he had this super strength to protect the Israelites. And how did he spend it? He used it to do a whole bunch of childish actions, including then marrying a woman who was a pagan, ungodly person and doing it in a lust-filled way, throwing a big kegger party to celebrate it. And then you know what happens after that in chapter 15? He goes away for a little bit. He comes back after, you know, doing a little battle and he asks his dad, hey, where's my wife? And he's like, oh, I didn't think you liked that wife, so I gave her to your friend. How many of you would be mad at your dad for that? And he, rather than getting frustrated and angry with his father, he gets angry at the Philistines. He goes out. This is a true story. Read Judges 15. He gets some foxes. I want to see how he caught the foxes, first of all. But second, he gets the foxes. He ties their tails to torches and lights the torches, sends them out into the fields and destroys all of the Philistines' crops. That's not all. He wasn't done yet. In his violent nature, he picks up the jawbone of a dead donkey And there's a whole analogy there that I won't get into. He goes around and defeats a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Now look, Samson makes lots of mistakes. And last week we looked at a lot of it was driven by his lust and his pride and the same obstacles that many of us face today. And he gets astray and he messes up and he makes mistakes. And I gotta imagine there's some of you, anybody in here made some mistakes before? And you want to give up hope that things could ever look differently. And maybe your relationships have ended. Maybe you've had a financial disaster. You've had to file for bankruptcy, divorce, had your kids go and live not God-honoring lives, and you're praying you don't know what to do. I don't know what it looks like in your life, what mistakes you made. I made a mistake just this weekend. My wife texts me. And she said, hey, Jake, my son would like some root beer. Could you stop at McDonald's? I said, sure, because I'm a loving husband. I'm there for you. I got this. I drove through McDonald's 
Problem was, uh, dads, I, I didn't read all of the text. The reason I was supposed to go to McDonald's was she wanted me to get her hot fudge Sunday. I got home with root beer, no hot fudge Sunday. Guess how that went? You made some mistakes. It may be little mistakes or it may be big mistakes like Samson has made here, but what do you do? Do you turn away from God or do you turn towards him? I would say that most of us are taught at a young age when we make mistakes to run from God because he doesn't like it. We're gonna do something different this morning. What do you do when you know you've messed up? It's the big question I wanna ask you. Let's read God's word together. You ready to study it? Come on, Judges chapter 16, beginning in verse four. Sometime later, he, Samson, fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sarek. Big surprise, Samson ends up marrying another woman who's not really honoring God. Here's what he does, whose name was Delilah. Any of you know the story of Samson and Delilah? The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him. Why? So we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So she's gonna sell out her husband for 1,100 shekels of silver. Any other stories in the New Testament remind you of somebody selling somebody out for silver? Judas, the disciple, sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And I wonder sometimes if we sell God out for even less. Delilah here in this story is not just turning her back on her husband, she's turning her back on God. But in the end, the mistakes that were made were really Samson's. So Delilah, verse six, said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Now, here's the weird thing about Samson. He knows that his wife is like, doesn't have the best character and she's trying to fool him. And so he literally lies to her three times. And then she'll get him all tied up when he falls asleep. And then she'll invite the Philistines in to attack him. And then he'll wake up and break off from whatever she's tied him up with and defeat the Philistines. And yet he keeps doing it. So look what happens finally in verse 15 after lying multiple times. What do you do when you know you've messed up? Samson's about to mess up big time. And this time, it's gonna be devastating. He's actually going to break his relationship with God and no longer be given the gifts and abilities that God had given him because he chose to cave in and not honor the Lord here. Verse 15, then she said to him, how can you say I love you? See your tactics here. When you won't confide in me, this is the third time you have made me a fool, a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. It's in the Bible. I didn't make this, all right? Don't get mad at me. So finally, here's what uh, he is going to do. I'm going to come back to that at the end because I know a lot of us uh, have some thoughts on that. So here's what happens. Verse 17, so he told her everything. No razor has ever uh, been used on my head. He said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. 
Then he called, and remember, there was nothing supernatural about the hair. The, the hair represented his surrendered life to God. By giving up the secret so that the hair could be removed, he was allowing himself to no longer uh, be obedient to the vow he had made to God. Because look, finally, verse 20, then he called to Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. Here's the key part. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. When the Lord had left him, he no longer had the power and strength in his life to face what he was facing. And sometimes when we break our relationship with God, and we don't have him with us in the problems that we're facing. We're not acknowledging what's happening in our lives and inviting him into the brokenness. We miss out on the power and authority to do something about it. And that's exactly what happened to Samson. Verse 21, then the Philistines seized him. Get this, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza where the Philistines' headquarters were, binding him with the bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison but the hair on his head began to grow again and after it had been shaved. So imagine this, the shame that had to come with this. His birth was announced by an angel. He had been given super strength by God to overcome his enemies. He was the great hero of their day. He no longer can even break the binds that he's been put him in. He has his eyes gouged out. He's in the enemy territory. And you're gonna see here in a bit, he's gonna be shackled, grinding grain for his enemies. And they're gonna use him as entertainment for their meetings. I'm gonna imagine some of you have maybe hit some rough times found yourself in dire financial positions, you've lost loved ones, you've had broken relationships, broken marriages, kids are a mess, work is a mess, you've been there. But I'm guessing you haven't had your eyes gouged out, taken to the enemy's headquarters to be used as entertainment for thousands of people. And it's actually in that moment where Samson will finally stop running from God and what his desires for his life are and will start owning his calling in life. What I want to tell you this morning is to don't let, don't let your fear of failure be your greatest regret. He could have sat and wallowed in the shame and he doesn't. Instead, do something today and allow God to use you despite the mistakes of your past. Will you pray with me? God, First, as we get into this this morning, I just want to acknowledge uh, that you're with us in the room, that those online, that, that you're omnipresent, that you're able, your spirit is with them right where they are. God, I pray that you reach through television screens and, and computer screens and iPhones and iPads and maybe even Samsungs, God, and speak to us uh, right where we're at. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would minister to us because we didn't come to gather in a room to hear from me or even hear humans sing a song. We came here to hear from you through your word. Take my words away, God. Connect to each of us spiritually and may we not be afraid to take action in our life in response to what you share with us. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. I, I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you've been running from God and you've turned to drugs and alcohol or other things. Maybe you've turned to images online. Maybe you've tried to make God in your image rather than being made in the image of God and it's caused you hurt and hang up some problems in your life. I don't know. 
But I imagine some of you, there's also, you didn't go do anything wrong that caused hurt and pain and shame in your life, but things didn't work out the way that you thought. And you feel like a failure and like you don't have, oh, I've been there. You know, uh, I remember one of the most devastating times in my life. I've shared some of these stories before, but when I had just become a dad, newly married, had our first son, and our little back house we were living in in Southern California flooded. My son got jaundice. My wife had a spinal headache, couldn't sit up in bed. I was a new dad, a day old, and I didn't know what in the world I was doing. I remember going, God, I can't do this. You been there? I, I can remember when we moved from Southern California to Indiana to start the church and, and we began to meet with people in our home and we began to create a team that was gonna help us launch the church and it began to grow and we were about five months into, six months into church planting, about five months from launching the church in September of 2011 and then we had our son, Jackson, who lived two weeks and died of a genetic disorder and we didn't talk to anybody within the church for like a month Came back, half the people were gone. Many of them were new to Christianity and new to the church and the whole thing, and it was hard. And then we launched the church. It didn't go according to plan. We were a year in going, where'd everybody go? What's going on? I, we weren't seeing the life change we were desiring, and it just felt like, what's wrong with me? Where, where, and I was working six days a week, 14-hour days. We used to have church in the morning. I had to drive to a parking lot, take this truck, uh, hook it up to a 26-foot trailer. I'm the least mechanically inclined male you have ever met. I would do that in the snow and in the ice, and sometimes it could take me forever to get the thing hitched, and then I'd drive it to the school. We were meeting for portable church worship services. I'd get there, and the lock uh, would be frozen again. And then we would try and stick it in hot water. If that didn't work, we'd have to go find bolt cutters. Sometimes we'd be getting ready to start the service. We're still setting up tech equipment and there's no one there anyway. So I was going, what in the world am I doing, God? And I remember uh, about a year in just going, God, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to start working less and praying more and trusting that you're going to show up. And it was like a, a light went on. And God said, well, that's all I've been asking you to do the whole time. And from that moment, God just started doing things in our church. I remember we couldn't pay a $500 bill and we got a check from somebody not from our church for exactly $500 out of the blue. He said, I don't know why I gave you that check. It just, God told me to do that. Stuff like that started happening, started freaking us out. We started seeing people who didn't know Jesus come to Christ, getting baptized in horse troughs, even in the White River. is like crazy season of life and seeing what the Lord was doing. And what I want to tell you this morning, if you're here and you've lost hope because you did things that brought shame and guilt to your life and destruction like Samson, or you're here today and things have happened in your life where it's made you feel like a failure, you may have failed in things, but you are not a failure. Because the God of the universe that created you, created you on purpose and for a purpose. And when Jesus was crucified, resurrected from the grave, atoning and covering up for our sin and wrongdoing, that all of us can draw near to a perfect God. We have the power and the authority of God Almighty in our corner to face the failures and the hardships and the regret and the shame and the guilt. And I'm preaching too much too early. You ready to get into this passage? Look, 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 look what happens to Samson here. Samson is gonna hit rock bottom. And when Samson hits rock bottom, He's going to do a few things. The first one I'm going to note, you may think I'm reading into it, but look at the passage. He's embarrassed. A lot of times, if we're being honest, when we hit rock bottom and things are going hard and we failed in certain areas, we don't acknowledge the embarrassment that comes with it. 
He, he is going to be the powerful one of God that his, his birth was foretold by an angel. He was set apart for God, super strength. But look at these verses in verses 23 to 25 then. Now the rulers of the Philistines, remember he's in Gaza there. And here's what's about to happen. The rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. So Samson, who was supposed to be the anointed one with God, it's not just he's embarrassed for himself. It's also there is a spiritual element there that he's in the midst of pagan worship of a false God because of his capture. Knowing that his choices of dishonoring God led to the mistakes that caused this pain and suffering, not only in his life, but for the entire Israelite people. Verse 24, when the people, the, the uh, Philistines, saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste to our land and multiplied our slain. They're mocking him. And that the one true God of the universe is not being worshipped and pointed to as the, the strength of Samson. Instead, this false pagan God that doesn't exist is being worshipped in their own minds because of Samson's choices. Verse 25, while they were high in spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. Then get this. So they called Samson out of the prison. He'd been grinding grain in the prison because he can't see and he performed for them. Now, two things. One, anybody else really want to see that performance? I want to see, well, maybe Samson was entertaining. He had some hidden talents we didn't know about. I don't know. But I got to imagine the embarrassment, the shame of being humiliated in that way would have sat so deep. And I think most of us would have thought, what's the point of this? I might as well just give up. There's no purpose or anything to be angry, sulk, and our own shame. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you did have a relationship that didn't work out, and you, the embarrassment of it, the shame of it is so harsh on you. And rather than saying, God, what can I do to bring healing in my life? You just want to quit and give up, hide in a bottle for the next 30 years. Or maybe it's not, it's not your thing. Maybe it's, I'm just going to go to work every day. I'm going to go home, entertain myself, go to sleep, go back to work every day, go back, watch some more Netflix, go to sleep, go back to work, watch some Netflix, go to sleep, and never actually honor God and serve him in the ways he's calling you to in your life. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that shame and guilt is a part of sometimes the choices that made. Maybe you've lost everything from bad financial decisions, drugs or alcohol, poor relationship choices. But here's what I want to tell you. Number two, Samson is going to choose repentance over remorse. Now, now I want you to see, I'm reading into this with a New Testament lens today. Because we know that Jesus was crucified, resurrected for the grave, that we could be forgiven if we just turn to him. But I want you to notice Samson's actions here. Because there's really two responses to this. What's remorse? Remorse is like, I feel bad for what happened. Right? Like, I feel bad that I didn't do what God wanted me to do. I feel bad that I didn't free the Israelites like I was supposed to. I feel bad that I didn't honor God and actually fight against the Philistines. Instead, I used my abilities for my own selfish desires and selfish acts. That's remorse. Remorse can even look like this. And the truth is, but I, I probably wouldn't have done that if Delilah, somebody amended earlier, 
the, the Delilah, she was, she emotionally manipulated me. You saw it, right? She's the one, if I'd never married her, if she had never said those things, I never would have done that, right? Like that's, we do that all the time. I'm not, I'm not looking at you, I do it. Like we turn to remorse rather than repentance. Repentance is somewhat similar. I'm sorry, that was my fault and you own it. And then there's action that comes with it. Will you forgive me? One of the things we teach our kids that's really hard is when they do something to hurt somebody, we have them you know, say that they're sorry, but we add this thing on the end where they also have to ask for their forgiveness. And it's weird. They'll say they're sorry real quick. Yeah, I'm sorry. But to have to ask for forgiveness, there you have to, there's this pride that you have to let die. And so Samson in this passage is going to turn to God rather than away from God. See, repentance literally means you're going this way and you do a 180. There's action that accompanies your forgiveness and, and feeling sorry that I'm gonna begin to be, live differently because of it. Samson is going to choose not just to feel sorry for himself or blame other people because you can't unsleep with someone that you slept with, right? Right? You can't unsee the things that you clicked on online that you knew you weren't supposed to. You can't take back the words you said to your husband or your wife that you knew were totally inappropriate or mean-spirited. But you can repent. To say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I want to change and become the person God wants me to be. You can't undo bad decisions in your life, but you can choose a better future. I love what Craig Rochelle says on this. Don't let past failures limit future opportunities. Future opportunities for how God could use even the mistakes of your past. In Judges 16, Samson is gonna do something different here. He's gonna remember the God that he serves. Rather than sulking in his shame and embarrassment and his guilt, he's gonna remember that he is the God of the universe that created the universe in six days, that made the sun stand still, that parted the Red Sea, that knitted him together in his mother's womb, that knows every hair on his head, that has the power and the authority with the blink of an eye to change something in someone's life. And he's gonna choose to believe that God is still gonna hear from him and allow him to be used by him again. And some of you are sitting there today and you think because of the baggage of your past, you could never be used by God again. You can be, but it's not gonna happen from remorse. It's gonna happen from repentance and saying, God, I need you. I believe you can be in my life again and I'm gonna act on behalf of you once again. Look what happens here for Samson. Now you're not gonna see him deliberately repent to God in this passage, but what you're gonna see here is a change of action, which I believe is the outcome of a repentant heart. Why I said I'm reading with a New Testament lens. Verse 25b says, when they stood him among the pillars, so they're in this big temple with thousands of people in it, right? They're bringing him out to entertain. They stood him among the pillars. Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that to support the temple so that I may lean against them. And then look down to verse 28. Here's the key part. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. He, he didn't live in the shame or he didn't blame people. He just prayed to God. Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. Oh God, please strengthen me just once more. Give me one more chance. I don't need to, because I'm stepping across the line this morning 
and I'm going to say, I am going to live for you and honor you. And my life is all about you from here on out. My life is full of yours, literally in a moment, sacrificed for his purposes, but saying, I am fully surrendered to you. To someone in here who has given their life to Jesus, and if you've never done that, it's the greatest decision I ever made with my life. I was somebody who rebelled against God, and by simply inviting him into my brokenness rather than running away from him, he brought healing and began to use even my mistakes for his purposes. But if you're here today and you know Christ, you may be down, but you are not out. You may be struggling, but you are not without hope for your future that you don't have to live in the mistakes and the baggage of your past because number three, Samson remembers God can use our failures. He can use our failures. The ones that were intended and that were sinful that we did and even our failures where we tried, but they didn't work out the way that we thought. If we turn to him in our brokenness, he can use it. Verse 29, then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them Can you picture it? His right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Now, this is a big temple with thousands of people, but I have to imagine those pillars must be fairly close together. He's got like go-go gadget arm there, but I don't know what's happening. But he's got his hands on the pillars and he's about to cry out to God and God is gonna show up. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might And down came the temple and the rulers and all the people in it. Thus, he killed more when he died than while he lived. Now, here's the key part. Look, I don't think God is the God of of violence that uh, desires pain and suffering and, and killing. But what happens in this passage, what was the point of each of these judges? The Israelites had been sometimes enslaved or pillaged or lorded over by their enemies time and time again. And when they called out to God, he would send them a judge that was to come and free them and to save them from the oppression that they were experiencing. But Samson and his selfish desires never got to lead the Israelites to that. But finally, at the end of his life, God is in the the protection business, protecting his chosen people, Israel. Samson does the calling that God had placed in his life. He cries out to God, remember me, give me one more chance this morning. I'm stepping across the line. I want to honor you and do what you've called me to do to protect the Israelites in this life. It's never too late to do what God wants you to do. You may be down, but you are not out. Proverbs 24, 16a says, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And if you're here this morning and you're like, but I'm not righteous, Good news for you. None of us are. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But those who confess Jesus as Lord, his sacrifice on the cross, atone and cover up for our sin and wrongdoing, all the mistakes and failures we made in the past, we're making today and we'll make in the future. And so we could actually be forgiven before God. And because of that, he will see the work of his son. And you may not be righteous, but you are righteous in God's eyes if you have repented of your sin and turned towards towards him because he sees the work of his son, Jesus. And I want to tell you, Samson didn't get it his whole life. And some of it, I'm convinced, you're not going to get it your whole life. You're going to be 95 years old. You're going to be watching online. You're going to be in this service and you're going to be sitting there going, I've been doing this my whole life. I can't change. And then finally you're going to go, enough is enough. And you're going to cry out to God. And you're going to say, I'm finally going to live the life you've meant for me. It's not too late. 
it is not too late. The leaders in the room that you have given up hope that he could still use you, it is not too late. For the people in the room who have given up hope that God could ever give you the life that you're desiring, to actually be someone who honors him in your dating life and your, your sexual life and your marriages, honor him in your finance, honor him in the way that you go about your business, honor him in the way that the words that come out of your mouth, you're just a gossip, you'll always be a gossip. I wanna tell you it's a life in the pit of hell and the enemy wants to keep whispering that to you. Live in the shame, live in the guilt, live there forever. Wallow, your eyes have been gouged out, who even cares, it's over with anyway. But today, this morning, if you count on God, whatever pillars in your life that have been obstructing you from the calling God has for you, if you cry out to him, he'll give you the power, you don't have it on your own, to address the addictive habits, to address the marriage issues, to address the hurts and the hangups and the ways you've been throwing your life away. I've been there. I wanna tell you this morning, it was only when we started praying to God more and working less that God started working in our church. I want to tell you that the marriages in this room and the marriages in this church that have been saved, we've seen people who had affairs, who got divorced, who lived apart for years, get remarried, have children, because God began to work when they purified their soul before the Lord and they cried out and begged for his help. You cannot imagine what God can do. And I'm telling you this morning, it takes this beautiful action of admitting the guilt and the shame. He already knows it anyway. Why lie about it? And say, God... I need you, help me one more time. I'm gonna show you today, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the old could be gone, the new could come, a new creation in Christ, the way he intended you to live. I wanna give you the opportunity, each of us in the room, to do that right now. Will you pray with me? God, <clears throat> man, I'm, I, I believe we have to lead by example, God. And the reality is, none of us in this room are perfect. And I admit to you right now, there are times, God, that in my life, if it was played on the big screen for the church, I would be embarrassed. I repent of that, God. I repent of poor choices. I thank you for forgiveness for me. I thank you for forgiveness for everybody in the room. And I know everybody else has things too. Right now, some of you, you know that if the truth is the things you've been watching online are not good, and we just like to avoid those things and don't talk about it here. But the truth is, this is the safest place to talk about it. Some of us have been making choices in our dating life, in our marriages, at work life that are not honoring to God. If that's you in the room, you got things you know you need to repent of. Let's take the time right now, just in the silence of this room. Right now, he's with us. Admit it, repent of it, turn to him rather than wait. Take action this morning. Take 30 seconds right now. right now I know there's some heavy stuff in this room and those that are actually repenting God we thank you for that the joy that it brings you when your son or daughter returns to you rather than running away but God remind us right now in this moment of the depth of love that our good father has for us right now that you wrap your loving arms around us so if there's somebody right now that needs reminded of your love for them your forgiveness and mercy and grace for them. Remind them of it right now, God. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. We don't deserve you. And I pray for the people in the room. And I know there are some people in the room right now that the truth is they've never fully given their life to you. They don't know if they've 
had salvation eternally. They don't know if they're going to heaven when they die. They don't, they don't know if they've received your forgiveness fully, God, because they've never done what your scripture teaches, Romans 10, 9, to confess you with our mouth as Lord. And so if you're here right now and you want to confess Jesus as Lord, whether for the first time or recommit your life to Christ, I invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, to confess that I need you. I repent of doing life without you. I believe and receive your forgiveness by the work of Jesus on the cross. I accept salvation because he resurrected from the grave. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you, Lord. And then I do this beautiful thing. I surrender, like Samson does, I whole life to you to be a living sacrifice, as Romans tells us. Use us, Lord Jesus. We're fully yours. We love you, God. We worship you. We pray this in your name and all of God's family said, amen.